2: America Health and Wellness Channel and this program Autism One a Conversation of Hope for Tuesday, March 9th. I'm Terry Aranga and my guest today is Katherine Pertle. Katherine Pertle is a world-class clarinetist whose career nearly ended because of performance difficulties caused by acid reflux, celiac disease, chronic inflammation and other health problems. Performance Without Pain, written with Dr. John Turner and Sally Fallon, president of the Weston A. Price Foundation, tells the story of Kathy's recovery. She has given more than 45 workshops around the country with Dr. John Turner and appeared on numerous radio and television shows. Kathy is Executive Director of the Orion Ensemble, presents a live internationally broadcast series on Chicago's WFMT FM Fine Arts Radio Network and tours throughout North America. Kathy, thank you for joining us.
3: Yes, I'm really happy to be here, Terry.
2: Well, please share with listeners your story, how the issue of diet became important to you.
3: Well, um, as a performing artist, um, practicing in my, you know, starting as a kid, um, <clears throat> for hours and hours every day, um, diet was very important to me. Um, but we, in my family, followed the food pyramid rules, where you would eat lots of grains and fruits and vegetables, and and um, you know, pretty much did uh, what the government told us to do to be healthy. And so, um, I followed that diet: low fat, high fiber. And uh, when uh, I was uh, 16, I, I got cavities in every single one of my molars. Uh, when I, in my 20s, uh, I started having chronic pain, um, which is awful if you're a performing artist. I remember going to a, an audition for the principal clarinet position in the Milwaukee Symphony and having to lie on ice cubes the night before. I was always going to the massage therapist and the chiropractor trying to figure out. You know how to chase the pain away, and um, because I was eating this healthy diet of uh, lots of fruits and vegetables and and grains and a little bit of meat and you know hardly any sugar and low fat, I you know I just never even considered that my diet was poor. So my life uh, went on like that, and uh, I had uh, just uh, lots of pain during my twenties uh, in the beginning of my performing career and then uh, when I uh, got into my 30s uh, my muscles would feel stiff I started doing yoga and um, just kept doing this diet and then when I turned 42 um, I developed acid reflux disease and that was really difficult because uh, when you're clarinetist and feeling like you're going to vomit while you're playing your instrument this is not a good feeling. So I did a, a lot of work with looking at my diet and I found that if I, I cut out wheat that it was better. So I cut out wheat and uh, it seemed like things were going well but a couple years later at age 45 I developed an inflammation in my spine that made it difficult for my hands and fingers to move um, and I, I was just I, I was very, very ill. And I couldn't figure out at that time uh, what I could possibly do uh, to get better. Here I was really just eating meat, vegetables, fruit, and olive oil um, for my diet. Um, I had cut out wheat, and I wasn't, wasn't eating much uh, gluten or wheat, you know, like grain products. So it, I realized I had a, a celiac disease at that point. So I cut out the, the rye crackers I was eating, which was that was the only grain I was eating. And uh, so now I was just eating meat and vegetables and fruit and olive oil. And my inflammation went away in my spine. But six months later, I developed chronic diarrhea and I thought I would die. I was going to the bathroom about 15 times a day. My whole body would shake uh, when I would wake up in the morning. I was very, very weak. My embouchure muscles shook uncontrollably. And uh, I was playing uh, with the Lyric Opera and uh, putting on a broadcast with the sh- with my chamber music group, International Broadcast of the Brahms uh, Clarinet Quintet, and, and I was really having a difficult time. I, I um, didn't know if I would survive. And um, so diet for me was really, really important to the point where it uh, my diet um, had gotten to a place where I was, wasn't eating anything uh, that could possibly be wrong with uh, you know my plan, and here I was uh, dying, uh, eating the healthiest possible diet. And it wasn't until I discovered uh, the work of Dr. Weston Price, who, who traveled uh, around the world and studied healthy cultures, and I studied his work and the Weston Price Foundation. I started adding fats and vitamin A and D from cod liver oil and, and nutrient-dense foods, which we'll talk about later, to my diet that I was able to save my life. And so I, I healed my digestive disorder and uh, all of the symptoms of, of uh, chronic pain went away. I haven't had any chronic pain for the last eight years since I've been on this diet. But it really is uh, not a good diet. The diet that we're being told, the food pyramid diet, is, does really not work for people. It's, it's not a healthy diet.
2: Right. You had mentioned healthy diet earlier, and I thought that would be allegedly healthy diet. I grew up with the food pyramid, too, and uh, I was nutrition conscious, And I remember one summer as a teenager having the most cavities I'd ever had, just like you mentioned, and thinking, what's up with this? Now, when you said high-fiber, the grains that they recommend on the food pyramid, if you're just going out and getting a loaf of white bread, you're not necessarily getting high-fiber.
3: No, and I was I was doing the high-fiber, the whole wheat bread um, really a lot. I mean, I loved bread. I was really addicted to bread. In fact, I worked in a whole wheat donut shop my freshman year in college thinking this was healthy. I gained 40 pounds in, in about four months as a freshman in college. So, um, And I had constant flatulence all through my life, um, never realizing that I could possibly have a dietary-related problem even though I had symptoms of poor digestion, which um, flatulence is definitely that, but nobody, you know, was talking about that.
2: So you've alluded a lot here to the politics of food, so what modern food trends have adversely impacted children's
3: health? Well, um, for uh, the low cholesterol diets are very unhealthy for uh, brain chemistry and hormones uh, in growing children. Um, just health um, without adequate uh fat from traditional uh fats like coconut oil and butter and and fats are our ancestors ate the the body just does not develop properly you can't absorb the nutrients from your food soy has become uh, a trend uh that soy is supposed to be healthy soy interrupts um, the hormone uh The hormone production in our bodies, it's very difficult to digest. And, of course, you know, soy is presented to us like in sweet soy milk and and mothers who want to avoid pasteurized milk because their child is allergic will turn to soy and think, oh, this is great because it tastes so wonderful. But it's actually very, very uh, problematic for a growing child. Uh, Vegetarian diets, they're low in nutrients. Um, over-processing of foods—that's another trend uh, that we see, which you know is kind of self-explanatory. But factory farming, the way that our foods are raised—you know—you can buy a piece of meat, and you'll think, "Oh, my family's eating a healthy meal here. We're having meat and vegetables today," and uh, actually, that meat has uh, been. Uh, comes from an animal that's just been eating corn. And basically there's no nutrients uh, in corn. And that when an animal eats uh, just corn, uh, the meat uh, that is, comes from that animal is going to be very low in nutrients. So we've been substituting, you know, foods that our ancestors ate, hiding them in a, in a package of of uh, another brand of the same uh, looking uh, Food. And uh, we're also, when we th- were being told to substitute vegetable uh, oils for animal fats, another uh, trend, uh, as I said, uh, we need these traditional fats uh, to be healthy. So, those are some of the trends that we've um, garnered our population with. Uh, Religious uh, following of these by every single doctor and commercials on television telling us if we eat anything but these things, uh, we're not going to be healthy, and and they just really aren't healthy. Deceptive diets. Well, what similarities do you see between your gastrointestinal
2: situation and that of children with autism who have apparent or undiagnosed GI issues?
3: Well, I was amazed uh, when I got better and I started studying um, the, uh, some of the mental health issues that children um, face in the book uh, Gut and Psychology Syndrome with, uh, by Natasha Campbell McBride. I was amazed at what she was talking about because she was talking about this gut dysbiosis and, and flatulence and, in children and um you know, candida overgrowth and all of these things that I had when I was really sick and really I had had my entire life. I had poor digestion my entire life from eating this high fiber. Diet, low-fat diet, and um, when I read uh, her book, and she discussed uh, mental health problems about depression and uh, problems with concentration and problems with just brain fog, and and these caused from candida overgrowth and also the, and food addictions because I was addicted to um, to ca- to gluten containing foods when I was a kid. I, I really craved those. The kids today who uh, are eating these foods really almost feel like they can't live without them and 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 these foods when you aren't breaking down your foods properly and your small intestine is producing alcohol instead of um, you know from poor gut flora um, your small intestine will produce alcohol with a candida overgrowth kind of like a uh, when you ferment uh, yeast and and you're making wine and uh, and you know your your gut is doing the same thing with poor digestion, so um, your brain chemistry g- gets affected. Um, I had suffered from depression. I suffered from a, a eating disorder. I just uh, I really struggled with my health. And and what I realized is that, that exactly the same thing is happening to our children who have autism and depression and eating disorders, um, ADD, ADHD poor memory, all of these things are affected by um, poor digestion. And also I just want to point out the gluten gluten proteins that aren't digested properly um, when you have a candida overgrowth and the casein uh, proteins, there's morphine in those proteins, caseomorphine and gluteomorphine, uh, in the chemicals uh, of the protein of the protein chemical. I'm not speaking clearly because I'm not a biochemist, but um, the point is that when you aren't digesting wheat and and dairy properly, there is a morphine chemical that will be left over that will affect brain function.
2: All right, and we will pick up with this when we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back.
5: Come.
2: we're back with Kathy Pertle, who has been telling us how uh, being brought up on the deceptive diet of the political food pyramid had her ending up uh, getting very, very systemically sick, and how she was able to uh, heal herself with the, the diet that she learned about from the Weston A. Price Foundation. And Kathy, can you please describe to our listeners what the principles of the Weston A. Price Foundation are?
3: Yes. um, Well, the the principles are based on the, the work of Weston Price, who traveled worldwide in the 1930s. He was baffled by the amount of chronic illness in his patients. He was a renowned dentist in the United States, and he couldn't understand why his patients not only had cavities, but they had all kinds of health problems. And they're really the same kind of problems that we're seeing today, only today they're they're in exponential amounts and um, he just wasn't satisfied with that and so he um he noticed that in National Geographic pictures that a lot of the cultures that they took pictures of had these beautiful wide palates uh, their teeth were they just looked like they were really healthy people, and he didn't see people in the United States that looked like that, so he went um, to uh, around the world in the summers of about 10 years and he found uh, 14 cultures with perfect health uh somewhere in the Swiss Alps uh Gaelic people um, he found uh the uh the Maori tribes uh had had this level of health uh there were some American Indian tribes that he found um Aborigine tribes and what he found that these people all had even though their diets were very different diff- different is that they had uh, beautiful teeth, they had no cavities, they had wide faces, wide palates, enough room for the teeth, so they had no crooked and crowded teeth, and uh, he found that their health was excellent, that they never uh, got TB, and TB was uh, rampant uh, all around the world. And he found that they ate, of course, no refined or denatured foods, they ate plenty of uh, animal Products from animals eating their natural diets like meat, dairy, and eggs, and seafood. And they had ample fat for good digestion and nutrient absorption. They also ate a lot of cultured foods, uh, traditionally cultured foods like kefir and yogurt and homemade uh, sauerkraut and pickled beets. They ate a lot of uh, bone broth soups, and they had... Um, Ten times the amount of vitamin A and D in their diet from natural sources, and that's from foods that we're told not to eat, like organ meats, like liver and egg yolks, and they uh, and they also many of the cultures consume cod liver oil, old-fashioned uh, fermented cod liver oil, which is not the kind of cod liver oil that you can buy in the store. You have to order that. Um, also from fish eggs, and that without adequate amounts of vitamin A and D in the diet, and ample fat from traditional sources like coconut oil, um, uh, butter, raw butter. Um, without adequate amounts of vitamin A and D and fats, you will not absorb the nutrients from your food, no matter how good your diet is. And that was the, the big discovery that Price found that made a difference in the way that these people um, developed from birth, that, that they had genetic materials uh, required. Uh, the, the parents did uh, when they conceived the child that allowed their food, their features, their genetic features, to be correct, so they had enough room for the teeth. Um, the structure of the body was perfect, and they had enough nutrients in their diet to support uh, a healthy body and men- mental health as well. Wait, I think we've just segued a little bit here. I, I wanna, I wanna understand this.
2: Do you mean that the parents' diets um, cause can cause some genetic changes so that, that are passed on to the children?
3: Absolutely. When um, Price studied these cultures, he, he noticed that in each of these healthy cultures that they made very um, important uh, special care. They had special care to people who were going to have children and they made sure that their diets were very high in these special foods and that Mm -hmm. would be in the vitamin A and D foods, the cod liver oil, the liver, the organ meats and in fat. They made sure that they had ample amounts of fat, just high quality diets. So in our country, you know, we're not thinking about like how healthy are we before we decide to have children and what we're finding is that People who follow the Weston Price um, diet long before they decide to have children have a much better chance of having a child who's not born with something like autism or ADD, ADHD. So it's special care taken before you even think of having a family, and that's what we're trying to help people to understand. It's not just the diet of the child at birth or the diet of the mother at birth at the birth of their child it's before that child's even born because the food
2: influences the environment
3: in which the the child is nurtured
2: the future child is nurtured
3: yes and vitamin A and D in particular have a determining factor on the genetic code that is expressed in that child so if, if the genetic code is incorrect because there are there's uh, malnutrition in the mother, or if if the mother has poor gut flora, for instance, and she's malnourished, that genetic code can be altered and the child will possibly be born with problems. And crooked and crowded teeth is actually a sign of malnourishment in the mother. So what we're seeing is that as people follow the Weston Price diet and they have children, they might themselves have had crooked and crowded teeth, but their children will have wide palates because the genetic material is there to correct that problem. Wow, this is really interesting. Well, this is, you know, um, you may
2: know from, from knowing me that a pet peeve of mine is having maladies blamed on, genetics like autism, but you're not saying that, uh, you know, humankind has suddenly gone awry and and we're having a genetic epidemic, which is impossible, and suddenly human beings are, are just intrinsically faulty. What you're saying is that the diet can influence the way genes are expressed for the good or the bad.
3: Well, exactly. I mean, and genetics can never be blamed when you have an exponential development of a health problem Um, we're seeing autism in exponential numbers but we're also seeing all kinds of other diseases in children that you never saw even 20 years ago um, that you can't blame genetics on. and they say well you know we just didn't diagnose it I'm sorry I don't think people are ignorant 20 years ago, we would have been writing about this if these problems were there. 40 years ago, we would would have been writing about this. This is a problem with our toxic environment. This is a problem with our food supply. This is a problem of profit being the only important thing that we consider when we, you know, have have uh, when we're. Uh, the companies who produce our foods are providing foods in our grocery stores and and we we just have to be proactive in changing our food supply and, and vote with our pocketbooks and not buy these kinds of foods
2: mm-hmm. so Weston a price. Foundation advocates for a nutrient-dense diet, and you've been talking about, alluding to some of these issues, you've mentioned vitamin A, and you mentioned vitamin D, which would be D3, not D2. Um, You've mentioned good fats and uh, alluded to organic meats, uh, and let's talk about those things plus raw milk.
3: Yes. Well, I want to point out that, again, it's, it's not only important to buy organic food, because It's easy to find organic food. You can go to uh, a lot of stores and and purchase organic food. But what a lot of people don't realize is that um, organic may not mean uh, an animal, especially with proteins, it doesn't mean that that animal has eaten its natural diet. For instance, a cow could be eating organic corn or organic candy or organic old donuts from a donut shop that's wanting to get rid of their donuts and I'm, I'm saying this facetiously but it actually has been seen uh, with people uh, kind of uh, going behind the scenes of some of these organic uh, food companies and <laughs> you know, that-
2: the, a, a poultry a poultry company back east told me that the chickens were only getting organic arsenic.
3: What is that? The kinder, gentler, more wholesome arsenic? <laughs> I love that. You know, that's just really true. Um, what uh, we have to be careful of is we need to really know where our, especially our. Our nutrient dense foods, and we think of nutrient dense foods, are of our animal foods. Where are they grown? Who's growing them? You have to know your farmer, know how they're producing the food. A cow eats grass. Chickens should be eating bugs and worms. They, corn is not a natural food for a chicken. And soy, you know, is not a natural food for a chicken. These are not the kinds of foods that these animals traditionally ate. So organic is it's probably okay when you're talking about fruits and vegetables. But what most people don't realize today is that if you want your child to to have all the nutrients that they need to develop properly, you're not going to be focusing on fruits, even organic fruits and vegetables, as the mainstay of their diet, which, which is what you're hearing every day uh, on the radio about a healthy diet. This is not what is going to grow a healthy brain. You have to get your child to eat very, very nutrient-dense foods like the bone broth soups and the pasture-raised meats and and the pasture-raised eggs. And uh, you're talking also, Terry, you wanted me to talk about raw milk. Um, Today, raw milk, you're you're starting to really hear hear about it. In fact, tonight I'm driving to Wisconsin because I'm going to be at a a hearing to legalize raw milk in Wisconsin, the dairy state. Raw milk was a curative for thousands of years. People drank raw milk for 30,000 years. And raw milk from grass-fed animals that is properly handled is one of the most nutrient-dense foods that a person can eat. Now, a lot of children with autism can't handle uh, raw milk unless it's cultured and into kefir and yogurt. And some of them, their digestive system is so damaged that they, they can't do it until they heal their digestive system. But in terms of development of a child's brain and and body, this is one of the most wonderful foods that a a child can uh, consume. All right,
2: let's pick up with raw milk when we come back. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzo Medical. We'll be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness channel.
4: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and
1: Wellness.
2: We're back with Kathy Purtle, and before the break, we were talking about raw milk. Kathy, so how do you uh, integrate raw milk into the diet of a child with autism who has GI problems and uh, sensitivities to casein?
3: Well, um, Dr. Campbell McBride has suggested, I think, an excellent uh, protocol that you're not going to introduce new foods to a child, uh, especially raw milk, uh, because, right away. Um, I always um, talk about gradually, uh, you, you first have to heal the gut. And bone broth soups, I have people focus on bone broth soups um, almost exclusively when they're first starting with trying to help their child to get better. As much as you can use uh, either bone broth and cooking or have your child uh consume bone broth soups, that's going to help heal the gut. And then also to um, see if they can tolerate cod liver oil, uh, like fermented cod liver oil. The best kind is from greenpasturesingular.org, and that's made in the traditional way. Um, And try to add uh, as many fats in their diet, uh, coconut oil and raw butter, uh, raw butter does not have any casein in it, and most children can tolerate that. And if they can't, uh, focus on coconut oil. So coconut oil, the vitamin A and D from cod liver oil, egg yolks are especially healing uh, for the gut and, and bone broth soups. And then um, when, you've, when you've done that work and the child's gut starts to be um, working better, and you can tell that from the stool, the stool will have more normal, uh, a norm, more normal look, and the child will probably not have uh, so much flatulence. Uh, you're going to be cutting down on any kind of uh, uh, carbohydrate uh, consumption, the disaccharides like the, the starches, the grains, um, these kinds of foods, the sugar, process, any kind of processed foods, and, and replacing it with nutrient-dense foods. Um, then uh, gradually, you should be able to start out with extremely small amounts of fermented uh, di- raw dairy, and this would be kefir especially. Kefir has a beneficial yeast in it that eats candida, and that's what we want to change the gut flora. Um, so you're gonna, you might want to just start out with literally an eighth of a teaspoon once a day, and gradually over a period of six months start to add this food to the diet. And what Dr. McBride talks about is, is don't look at every tiny little reaction in the child. Overall, once that child's gut starts to heal, um, you're going to be able to have these, uh, the fermented dairy gradually more and more. So uh, if, you, if you're thinking of adding a food, just do it extremely slow.
2: Okay, so let's differentiate. Earlier you were talking about candida and fermentation and alcohol and brain fog. How is that kind of fermentation different from what you're talking about with fermented foods like kefir?
3: Well, fermentation in the gut is caused from poor gut flora and overgrowth of the wrong kind of uh, bacteria in the gut. And fermentation of food is, is caused from, it's, it's not a bad thing. These are traditional foods that people ate for thousands of years which would support good flora, and it has the, the healthy bacteria like the lactobacillus uh, bacteria that um, is supposed to be a, a part of your a normal intestinal tract. And it's because we have gotten away from eating those fermented foods that we, our, our intestinal tract is overrun with the wrong kind of uh, bacteria and yeasts. So, we want to uh, eat foods, fermented foods, that introduce the, the good kind of bacteria. And
2: you've also been alluding to pasteurization, and that makes me think of enzymes. So, what's the importance of enzymes that are naturally present in foods? How do we get those? And is there, like, politics behind
3: pasteurization? Or? Well, past, milk has been uh, pasteurized. Uh, in the, it began in the 1800s because of poor uh, practices in the dairy industry. Um, we couldn't uh, produce um, whiskey. In our, we couldn't get whiskey in our country anymore. So we started to allot farms that were for grass farming for cows, for grain production for whiskey. I know this sounds really absolutely bizarre. And so because we had a large ethnic population that demanded milk and the, on the East Coast especially, they decided that they would try to produce, uh, milk from the waste from the whiskey distilleries. So they would tie cows to, um, you know, the, the, they 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 made like a factory farm and fed the cows these this terrible food and then guess what people got sick from it so the answer was to pasteurize the tainted milk so that people could drink it so that's how pasteurization came about and um, raw milk when it's produced properly has never been um, harmful to people it's just when uh, when it's Mishandled that it becomes unhealthy and today uh, we're pasteurizing everything, but really uh, our bodies run on enzymes. If all of our food is dead and cooked, um, it's hard for our body to, um, to heal. We need enzymes uh, for every function every second of our life for our body to work. And when we eat food that's cooked and low in enzymes, then our digestive system has to work very hard and our pancreas has to secrete the enzymes that should be used for uh, repair uh, and maintenance of the body. So if we can eat foods that are high in enzymes like kefir Uh, You know, cultured foods are all very high in enzymes. Raw foods, um, especially raw proteins, so really high-quality meats and and egg yolks um, from pastured animals, those are very safe foods to eat lightly cooked or even raw. People used to eat a lot of raw egg yolks. They would make, you know, smoothies. They would put kefir with raw egg yolks together and, you know, that's, that's actually been my breakfast for the last eight years is to eat that very high enzyme, high probiotic food. Um, so if you can increase the enzymes in your diet, um, then you're going to be able to heal from a lot of uh, disorders that uh, people are getting today because their diets are so low in enzymes. And
2: you also mentioned vitamin A and uh, the importance of vitamin A uh, during pregnancy. You were talking about the tribes and such that Weston Price studied, but pregnant women these days are warned against too much vitamin A.
3: Well, you know, um, people think that vitamins come from a pill. Um, The problem is that when you just take the vitamin pill, yes, you're, you're going to be getting a synthesized vitamin that your body is not going to be able to utilize. When you eat a food like cod liver oil, and, and people think cod liver oil is a, is a supplement. It's not a supplement, especially the, the kind that we recommend, which is the fermented cod liver oil. This is a food, and, and our bodies need vitamin A and D to be healthy, you cannot have a healthy child if you do not have adequate amounts of vitamin A and D in your in your diet. And so, we need to try to maximize these um, foods that especially affect genetic uh, the genetic code. When uh, a mother is pregnant, you want to be eating th- these high quality, nutrient dense foods, focusing on them.
2: Something else that you've mentioned in your lectures has been vitamin K two. Not a lot of people yes. know about vitamin K.
3: Well, Dr. Price uh discovered a uh an activator. He called it activator X, which he found uh in foods from animals on pasture, the fats from animals on pasture in the spring, in the butter. And um, vitamin K two is comes from really the the highest quality fats uh, from cows. And what he found is that the vitamin A do, K2 was, was critical along with the vitamin A and D to kind of cement all the characteristics of um, the usefulness of the vitamin A and D. In other words, K2 is sort of the mortar for the bricks. And what vitamin K2 does is it helps to put calcium in the right places in the body, like in the bones and in the teeth. And the reason why so many people are getting hardening of the arteries and osteoporosis and all these problems with calcium disposition is because we're not eating foods from animals on pasture anymore. So vitamin K2 is critical, of course, for children uh, for de- the development of, of good teeth and good bones. And it's critical for people all through their life to help them avoid getting uh, arthrosclerosis and uh, osteoporosis and uh, uh, weak teeth, weak bones, uh, just Problems, you know, children are breaking their bones, you know, just from falling. This is not normal. So
2: where would a person look for this in the grocery
3: store? They're not going to get it in the grocery store. Um, Dr. Price developed a butter oil, which you can get from greenpasture.org from the same company you get this traditionally made um, cod liver oil. Uh, you are going to be able to get vitamin K2 in foods from animals on pasture. And that would be cheeses, raw cheeses from uh, grass-fed cows, especially um, raw, uh, from raw egg yolks, uh, from pastured uh, chickens. And I'm not saying go out and, and eat a, a raw egg yolk from your grocery store because
4: live better voice america health and wellness You've read the books, listened to the CDs, and gone to the workshops to learn spirituality. Now there's a way to help you live it every single day. The Spiritual Workout with Stephen Morrison. Call with any issue at all, and Stephen will passionately help you see which of 15 universally spiritual concepts apply to your circumstance and how. Practice every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on The Spiritual Workout on 7th Wave Network. It's a practical path to a happier, more peaceful, and richer life experience. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866 472 5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry.
2: Hi, we're back with Kathy Pertle and we had a technical glitch there, but Kathy's back with us. And Kathy, I think where we lost you was, uh, I believe you were telling people not to go to the usual grocery store and slurp down a raw egg.
3: Well, that's right because, uh, uh those chickens are raised in terrible, uh, unhealthy conditions and a chicken from, that's on pasture uh, is going to have a very healthy egg. A very dark orange egg yolk will come from that chicken egg. And um, I've been drinking uh, a raw milk kefir with two raw egg yolks in it for the last eight years every day, and I have never been healthier in my life uh, after I recovered uh, from my illness.
2: Wow. Wow. All right, and you wanted to make some comments on the, the state of children's physical and mental health today. You had written a paper.
3: Yes, uh, there's a wonderful book called The Truth About Children's Health, uh, The Comprehensive Guide to Understanding, Preventing, and Reversing Disease by Robert Bernardini, uh, and it was published in 2003 by PRI Publishing. And he says that uh, children are far less healthy today than in the 1950s, that we've totally forgotten what a healthy child is and that diseases have become so common that we think this trend is not unusual. But in fact, it really is. And he points out that we live in a universe of laws, that these laws uh, don't care if you're black or white, Japanese, Mexican, 90 years old, or still a fetus. These laws are fundamental in nature of matter and energy and determine how life progresses. If we live in harmony with these laws, we will, as consequence, live in harmony. If we break the laws, we will become discordant. Enough of this discord will create sickness, disease, and aberrant behavior. Dr. Price expressed this fact in a similar manner as... In his quote, life in all its fullness is Mother Nature obeyed. And I've heard Dr. I've heard um, Sally Fallon um, say this so much in her seminars. Life in all its fullness is Mother Nature obeyed. Um, Bernardini explains that whenever a health problem occurs, we must determine what the problem really is and determine the cause of the symptoms. Then we must apply our knowledge and technology in a way that works with nature, not against it in order to get our children well. A good example of this might be the treatment of ADHD. Bernardini recommends removing the heavy metal toxicity from the child's tissues and giving him a good diet instead of giving him Ritalin. If you do not remove the cause, you will never truly get rid of the problem. It may, however, seem to disappear but then surface in a new way. And the book Radical Medicine is another wonderful book uh, I would recommend to your listeners by Dr. Louisa Williams. She, again, looks at the root causes of our health problems. And we're dealing with a lot of toxicity in our our environment uh, right now. But the truth is with a nutrient-dense diet that is Got ample fat in it, ample vitamin A and D, and um, also ample foods that help the digestive system to work properly. Our children will be able to naturally discard these toxins in their body uh, because they'll have all the basic elements that uh, for that will help not only their mental health but their physical health. And uh, I I'm just really excited about the possibilities for the future of our children with the knowledge from so many wonderful um, holistic health practitioners that we have today and so many people um, who are also healing with nutrient-dense diets like myself and the, the thousands of other people in the Weston A. Price Foundation that have found uh, that their children and, and their own uh, problems, their own health problems are disappearing with nutrient-dense foods and removing uh, heavy metal toxicity.
2: And, Kathy, before the show, you were commenting to me uh, about, uh, and this is something that the moms should know, uh, if individuals have the amalgam fillings that contain so much mercury, for example, and how that impedes the body from healing and the syndrome with candida and oxygen, et cetera.
3: That's right. Um, If a person uh, has a perfect diet and they're eating uh, all the nutrient-dense foods, but they have a mouthful of silver fillings, um, chances are they're not going to be able to get better. And that's because uh, with mercury toxicity, mercury is one of the most poisonous uh, metals on the planet next to your uranium and plutonium uh and we're putting it in our mouths and hopefully uh, your listeners are are knowing that that's that kind of a dentist is not the dentist they're not they're going to want to see um, but there's there's so many wonderful books today about uh mercury poisoning and what mercury will do to the gut is it will cause gut dysbiosis or candida overgrowth. And so even if you're doing all these things, if your child has a mouthful of sil- silver fillings, they may not be able to recover. I've written some really wonderful articles on my blog, uh, performancewithoutpain.com. If you read uh, those articles on my blog about heavy metal toxicity, mercury poisoning, uh, and digestive health, I think you'll get an idea about how terribly poisonous uh, mercury is and how difficult it would be for somebody to overcome illness without removing that block.
2: Right, and to our listeners, um, it's important to do any sort of amalgam removal um, with a, you know, an environmental biological dentist uh, and um, uh, also under the oversight of your child's treating physician who can do monitoring and, and routine lab testing and not overwhelm the body. Do this in a, in a cautious, a prudent, thoughtful manner. That's right.
3: Um, yeah. And with detoxing, that's done very gently. Uh, the book, uh, um, Radical Medicine, has a very good protocol. Uh, Hal Huggins' book, it's, it's All in Your Head, is a great book. He's the leading uh, dentist in, in, the, in the world, I think, uh, who has developed a very safe protocol for the, the removal of amalgams.
2: Okay. And the website for the Weston A uh, Price Foundation is www Westin, Weston W E S T O N A Price org, and uh, that will give you some further information. So, Kathy, do you have any closing remarks for us today?
3: Well, I um, just want to tell everybody that my book Performance Without Pain has an excellent protocol for healing uh, from really uh, chronic illness and helping a child uh, overcome uh, serious. Uh, health issues, and it's really the same program as Dr. Campbell McBride uh, lays out in, in Gut and Psychology Syndrome, uh, and that's why I was amazed at our similarities between just uh, mental health and human health, period. It's really all the same. So I hope you will look at my um, website, performancewithoutpain.com, and, and look at my book and my blog, and um, If I can be of service to you, email me, and I'd be happy to answer any questions.
2: Where can we get the the recipes for these great bone broth soups?
3: Well, my book has many recipes in them, and also uh, my co-author, Sally Fallon, the the president of the Weston A. Price Foundation, has a book called Nourishing Traditions, which is loaded with wonderful uh, bone broth soups. Uh, My book has... Many uh, wonderful recipes, not only for soups, but also fermented foods and uh, all kinds of other uh, nutrient-dense foods that can help people heal. Excellent. Well. Thank you, Kathy,
2: for sharing this healing information today. To our listeners, Kathy Pertle will be speaking as part of the nutrition track at the Autism One Generation Rescue 2010 conference in Chicago in May, as well as over 150 additional great presenters. Please visit ww.autism1.org. My guest next week is best-selling author David Kirby talking about his new book, Animal Factory, which relates to today's show in its in-depth look at factory farming's awful effect on the degradation of our food. Supply. Remember to visit the Autism One website and check out the new book from Skyhorse Publishing, Cutting Edge Therapies for Autism, available for pre-order from Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. For any question about this program, please email me at tiaranga at autismone.org. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.